Before we begin, I'd like to proudly mention our sponsor, Injitsu.com, providing remote at-home training from some of the world's top MMA fighters. These classes are not pre-recorded. These trainers come to you live and coach you for the duration of the class. I've personally taken a few of these classes, and I've never felt so inspired and accomplished in a workout session. They'll leave you both on the floor in exhaustion, but wanting more. There are still slots available for online classes, so head over to injitsu.com slash richardlistens to get your first class free. That's I-N-J-I-T-S-U dot com slash richardlistens. I'll see you there. I'm a big fan of MMA sports. It's rough and elegant at the same time. I think my number one fear of stepping into a ring like that would be protecting my teeth. Luckily, the guys over at Impact Dental Designs have created an amazing mouth guard that is state of the art. These mouth guards are currently being used by some of the best MMA fighters, but even better, they can be tailored to any sport. Football, hockey, boxing, soccer, the list is endless. Head over to impactdentaldesigns.com slash richardlistens to get 20% off your order and a free customized design for your mouth guard. Hey, everybody, and thank you for joining me. This is Richard Listens, and this is the Richard Listens Show. I'm Richard Olberger, clinical psychologist and your podcast host. And today, I'm excited to bring to you, it's really humbling when my childhood, when I get to meet people who've just gone on to become amazing performers in their own right. Today, we have, although I like to think of him as my childhood basketball buddy and teammate through varsity basketball, he has gone on to follow the beat of his own drum to become a jazz musician. And he is one of the mere handful of improvisers who can play the bass clarinet exclusively. He leads his acclaimed trio Locksmith Isidore, as well as his own quartet. He's uh, contributed to several leading bands on the Chicago music scene, and he's brought a vital voice to the freest of free jazz shows. His music manifestation range from 1920s style of Jimmy McPartland through the tenor titans of the 1950s, through the adventurers who performed AACM in the 60s, and right up through the city's renowned modern cadre of new music improvisers. Stein has lived in Chicago since 2005. He's played abroad, uh, played in stadiums across the U.S., and he has released records on albums, uh, labels such as Leo, Delmark, Not Too, Atavistic, 482 Music, Clean Feed, Astral Spirits, Sunnyside, Ears and Eyes, and The Northern Spy. I'm excited just because he is passionate and he is a dreamer, and so I hope you enjoy this interview as much as I will. Thank you, everybody. Without further ado, we welcome to the show the man, the myth, the jazz legend, Jason Stein. It's been a long time coming, my friend. I have to tell you that I was called out yesterday 
for my purchase of strength shoes. And I have to confess that uh, it was it was because you had them and you were you were very good at jumping. I think my mom called me out for purchasing them and not utilizing them enough. The jumping shoes were they were a controversial item even <laughs> even back back in middle. School. I mean, did they cause some injuries? I wonder what I wonder what happened with those. They are officially safe. I think it was just more controversial whether they actually did anything at all. <laughs> what they said. Yeah. Nowadays, <laughs> there'd be like you know Facebook comments and Instagram page debunking oh, them. But but back then it was like an urban legend. Like you bought them and like either you were too ashamed to say they did. But also if you did the drills that the, that the instruction manual that came with the shoes recommended, the drills themselves were really hard and really good. You could have done them without the shoes and they would have been super beneficial. Exactly. They made you focus on um, building the calf muscle, right? Oh yeah, totally. Doing a, a bunch of stuff with your just your legs and cardiovascular like exercise kind of stuff. Yeah, it was amazing. The, the shoes themselves were incidental. This is a true honor. I mean, you know, having been someone who shared many of my favorite basketball journeys uh, most of that will finally make it into a book this year yeah there'll be a whole section on uh, choosing your village in terms of what what raises you up and and the difference in the two basketball teams that we were a part of I know we're going to get into uh, you know your, your passion and focus in life I don't deny your music career I just I love your basketball memories and I want to cover how I, I mean a lot of high performers do part parlay their passion in one area mm-hmm. into another area yeah, um, yeah so we, we played on these two different teams and one was like really fun and really loving and we did really well and the other one was like kind of harsh and kind of fierce infighting you know and so I'm trying to like make sense of this I know how I was impacted but how you know, the different styles of, of cultures of teams and how players can thrive in different environments. What have you taken away from those experiences growing up? What do you remember the most? Well, I should say, I mean, my, I have a lot of thoughts and feelings about basketball. I tend to not organize them around specific teams that I was on. So it's like, I don't really think that much specifically about like, really like that, like the differentiation between like what, what you're talking about. Like the, we were, I, we were on the Jewish Junior Olympic team together, the, the Mac. Oh yeah totally uh we we won the bronze medal very controversial Baltimore. thought we should have taken we, the gold <laughs> there's no doubt we should have taken the gold we in the in the game that would have taken us to the gold we were annihilating suffolk and then mm-hmm. we just collapsed and it and it 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 felt like it was such a collapse it had to have been psychological there's no way that it was just a physical collapse it was crazy we were winning by a lot and then we lost but that aside, and then the other team was our, our high school team, which we played on for a number of years, um, which yes. I eventually wound up quitting because of my relationship with basketball. I mean, the McAbee games, the, the coach, the coach was very warm, very sweet, very inclusive. And there was definitely like a feeling of camaraderie just in the culture of the team and a sense of friendliness amongst the players. Very minimal internal competition in the McAbee game team. There was like a, a feeling of like you were, you were really playing on a, on a team. There was the, the team aspect of it was, was highlighted. The high school team uh, was super integrated with like people's personal senses of accomplishment and what they wanted themselves to get out of it. High school sports also in, the, in that kind of context, I think unless the coach really pushes back against it, they're so integrated with like, popularity and wanting to be sort of successful just as like a 
dude in high school, regardless of like the team itself. And so there was, there were a lot more dynamics that, that mentors. The McAfee games also were, they were like a detached universe that had nothing to do with our, our high school world. No one that we knew. Yeah, it's like playing with house money, right? It's Yeah, totally. I mean, it was very safe, isolated environment. We, we played for Riverdale, this community in the Bronx. Whereas the high school team, it was it was this one part of a much larger world where everything was integrated and, and kind of like flowing in and out seamlessly from like one thing to another. Very different. See, even the way you describe basketball now, it, it makes me th- like think of music. I have drawn all kinds of interconnections between my experience of basketball and music, like from the microcosmic to the macrocosmic it, it, it's like there's a lot of things that come from one and then the other. you were a prolific reader at some point a writer and you decided to leave basketball as uh, a junior or senior year senior year yeah yeah now that that's a really hard decision for for a high school athlete let alone i i, I saw some of the letters that you received uh, one is getting attention. You know, I wonder if you could speak to that, your journey, and for other people out there who, right, who just have followed sports because parent pressure or just it's what your town says is cool and that have other intuitions rising inside of them. Yeah, absolutely. Well, for me, my basketball career was basically spanned from when I was in fifth grade until 12th grade. And I was really tall. And I was relatively coordinated. And as a fifth grader, I could get rebounds, put the ball back in, and I destroyed anyone my own age. Because partly because I was tall and I, I could move my body somewhat well. So I was like, I had some, some capabilities. And then that kind of developed into by the time I was in eighth grade, I got moved up to play for the high school, which had never happened before. And so it was kind of a big deal. And I felt a lot like I, I, I got kind of a fair amount of attention for it. And it was like, I had this like strong identity as like a successful basketball player. And it was partly based on a sense of expectation for what the future was going to hold for me. And, but right from the start, once I got moved up and I was playing with older kids who were more my size, stronger than me, faster than me, it was really hard for me to adapt to the game. It was like, I was, I was better than most of the kids who were my own age. But then when I played with older kids with the kind of game that comes along with playing like junior varsity sports i i didn't really get it it was it was faster than i could kind of like take in and i didn't know how to adapt and that never really changed like starting from when i was in eighth grade i was still pretty good but then by the time i was like a a sophomore or junior i just i wasn't really that strong of a player anymore in the context of like what the actual games were what the scoring i was able to do the rebounding i was able to do the impact i was able to have on the game i was still more defined by like this sense of potentiality than what i was actually doing and I think I was really aware of that probably earlier than other people were. And so then there was this huge disparity between like my identity and I'm like this basketball superstar. And when you have that kind of identity, it's not necessarily based on what you're actually doing. Like people just knew me as that. They weren't thinking of that in terms of the game that I played two days ago. And it was it created a lot of tension in me because I wasn't living up to the expectations that I was seeing right in front of my eyes on a daily basis. It was like I'd go to the deli and the parent of a kid in school would see me at the deli and he'd know who I was and he'd be like, oh, we're, you know, you're, you have such great things to look forward to. You're doing this or doing that. And I'd know that they weren't actually seeing what I was doing. They just knew who I was. And it, it was it was really stressful. I'm like a pretty honest person and I did not like getting attention for accolades that I knew I didn't deserve. And it, it wasn't me being overly humble. I was 16, you know, I was, I was just based on facts. And, uh, and so then for like a year or two, basketball was just defined by stress to me. It was just like me having to kind of like slowly watch myself not live up to expectations. And then I, by the time I was 17, I was like, wait, I can actually choose to not have to deal with this 
and it was not worth it even a little bit. I was so excited to quit. I was so happy to not play anymore. Uh, it basketball like did absolutely nothing for me aside from negative things. So had you it, found another passion first, or was it just a recognition that this does not feel good? It was not for the sake of anything else. It was it was just like really not being able to deal anymore with with what was going on, and I mean really my entire world, I mean it fell apart to a large extent around that because it was like basketball was this uh it was kind of the glue that held together my whole world it was like i did well in school because i wanted to go to college to play basketball and blah, blah. it was it, it was it was really like a, a binding force and all these things and then once basketball got taken out of the picture uh it was probably also just personal things in my own like development and getting older and stuff and being who i was i was uh i, I just like almost overnight became like kind of a bad kid like i stopped going to school and i i never did drugs and i didn't drink um but i was like I, I was no longer a law-abiding high school citizen. <laughs> you know, I was I was I was a rule breaker because I was just like, wait a minute, like this system is something that I don't like, and I'm allowed to think that. You know, it, it was it was a real awakening for me, in both a negative way and a positive way. And then that kind of things falling apart in putting them back together, I I found a bunch of things that have kind of become like what my life is about. So who did you draw some support from at that time? I mean, when you're breaking from a system that like. Mm-hmm defines everything i mean right you, you didn't violate the uh the the drinking and and using drugs which would like cast you outside so it's kind of like well right you must you must have caused the system to rethink itself did you find some unexpected support or even mentors outside of like from literary or, or musicians like where did you go well yeah i think that I partly, I mean, sort of messy, you know, like there's the, there, there's did no you just clean trust answer. yourself or did you just learn like this kind of self-reliance? I mean, I spent a lot of time walking around late at night. I, I like just had a, a strong attraction to being outside, walking around. Um, I think there was a real draw to me. It sounds sort of cliche, but like the, uh, the idea of like freedom was really strong at that time. Uh, I, I mean, I, I got into reading like Jack Kerouac, those books, um, which are, that's basically at the heart of a lot of that literature is, is about freedom and about kind of like finding the balance between leaving certain things, covering. And that, that was a really good fit for me at the time. I do think that I found some solace in that and some company in like reading stories, people who were like, uh, in the, like in the spaces between it, like inside of culture, like people that didn't have a job, people that you might call a bum was super appealing. I was like, I, oh, this is what I want to be. I want to be one guy. Like, and, and for no reason, there, there was no specific reason I was attracted to that, but it was, it was kind of like my real nature. It's there, very there romantic no... though. I really, the beatnik generation. I mean, one of the for books, sure. right, is on the road and then Dharma bums. And um, mm-hmm. I'm finally three quarters of the way through town in the city. Mm-hmm. And there's a scene where one of the sons, I think is in a psychiatric and his mm-hmm. son and his father travels a thousand miles to visit him. And even mm-hmm. their discussion, the description about kind of the father being like trying to understand rationally why he strategically has placed himself in a psychiatric father perspective. Like it's mm-hmm. yeah, really yeah. beautiful look, you know, perspective on the condition and about mm-hmm. the ways traveled the country and, and just who you meet and where you go. You see a very mm-hmm. vivid descriptiveness of, uh, of life. Totally. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I think for me, 
I sort of realized a few things. One, I whether this is true or not, I had a really strong sense that uh, no one knows any, like adults don't. Know. I I really remember thinking six years old, like like wait a minute, no one knows any, no one knows what I should do. Like people think you're supposed to do this, you're supposed to do that. No one knows. You could do all these things that are considered really great, and then it could wind up that you can't get a job or whatever. It's like no one knows. Anything. And I would test that. Like I'd, I'd have conversations with adults a lot about things that I wanted to do. That initially they'd be like, "You're crazy, you can't do that." And then after talking for a while, I was I was pretty adept at changing people's. Um, I really liked Herman Hess. He, I, in a way, Herman Hess was more Jack. Um, Narcissus and Goldman books that were about like juxtaposition between like emotions and intellect were super important. And still to this day, like I think about that a lot. That also has a lot to do with music that I play. I don't know. I mean, I just kind of had the feeling like I have this life and like I have no idea what I want to do with it. I didn't care about college. I didn't care about my care about it. And it was like, I, you know, I was naive. But at the same time, it was like, I really didn't care about those things. Like not just being an idiot kid. I like really didn't care. And I wanted to figure out some way that I, something that felt meaningful. I cared about that. So what was the, what was the first step? Was it the trip cross country? Was it writing a manuscript? Like what started to build? You could, you could back up your philosophy argument to yourself. Yeah, I mean, I got, I got really lucky. Um, still somewhat kind of worked out, but like once I quit basketball, early senior year, I had the plan to quit school. I had a pickup truck and I would live in my pickup truck, be like, kind of like say bye-bye and not really know what the hell I was. I, my, my dad died when I was really young, so I didn't have a father to do. And my relationship with my mom was such that uh, there, there were really no authority at all. Now being a parent, I would define that as in and of itself being a problem. Um, I was Father's Day, by the way. Proud to see you as a dad. Thank you. Likewise, today's actually my would what would be my dad's seventy second. Oh wow! This is um, this is the day that that my dad passed last year. Oh really? Yeah. Oh wow! Yeah. So yeah. we'll celebrate it together somewhere. Yeah, totally. Do you, does it, do you think about him often? I do. Yeah. I mean, especially having a child, I think about. Him. I mean, I've I've always thought about him fair enough. But yeah, I I, I do. I think. I'm just kind of aware of like sort of imagined idea of, of what it would be like to have a parent for my you know like for my daughter to have a grandpa um i mean he, he died when i was 10 and so it's like and and my parents got divorced when i was two so i spent weekends at his house from when i was two to, to 10 so I, I wasn't really around him all that much i didn't know him very well um and it's it's a, like i have absolutely no idea what it would be like at all and let alone the idea of being an adult and having a dad whatever role like a stereotypical father would play i i see a lot of time tell your son that being crazy and like there there was no there, there was no person in my life who did that even remotely um, i tried to give you some quizzical looks i got a lot of quizzical looks. it's really the unknown i mean when you know we create the security mm -hmm. of small towns and talk about privilege and, and white privilege try and create mm -hmm. this and, and you mentioned this idyllic walks in the evening of real serenity and safety great deal that that you would not be impacted by crime or harm uh and yet there's this flip mm -hmm. side of like the Truman Show of is my life being kind of scripted and directed in a way, and I know that maybe there's bigger things out there. Totally, but yeah, I mean, I think that for me, like having a sense of adventure and sort of, I, I hardly like testing it out in like what you're saying, like a very safe environment where it's like there was no real threat in any way. But also, it was all it was like my only out. I just had a strong sense of adventure, and what wound up happening was the principal of, of our high school uh, came to me and offered me the option to do whatever I wanted, live in my car, skip my entire senior year, drive around the country. Uh, he well, he he asked me what I wanted to do. He was like, "What, what do you think?" So I told him that was kind um, and and I could graduate from doing it. It I, it's like, <laughs> it's it's nuts. Um, I, I I kept a journal. I had a 
mail my journal entries back to the high school and the poor secretary of my principal had to type my journal. Insane. Seriously. And yeah, and I, I mean, for like five, six months, I, I drove from New York down to Florida, across through Texas to California. I, I slept in a hotel probably like once every two weeks or so. I slept, I, I had a mattress in the back of a pickup truck with a, like a cap on the back of the truck. I slept in there. Um, it was insane. I, I was 18 years old. You know, I, I didn't use an ATM card. I, but part of the reason I could do it was because since my dad did die when I was a kid, when I turned 18, I got a small inheritance that was supposed to be college. But again, there was no one in my life that was going to say, you have to use that for college. What's wrong with you? And so I just spent it to have time. What a gift. Yeah. I, I it really, really was. It really was. I, I mean, I can see like there, there's people in my life who I think for a, a long time, even probably still think of me as like, um, just like, uh, irresponsible, lucky, dope who spent a lot of money in a short amount of time that could have been put to a much better use. And that's true. I can totally understand that. But I can also see what that time gave to me. And it, it really created like what became my entire life. And so it's like, it's so indispensable that I feel really fortunate about it. It seems like everyone these days is trying new workout systems. Some people go to the gym, others may run, but I've recently discovered a great in-home method that is absolutely amazing. I'm taking in-jitsu classes online where I'm being trained and pushed in real time by top MMA fighters straight from the octagon. Injitsu.com provides real-time classes so you can get a top-notch workout from the comfort of your own home. These classes are absolutely going to sell out. So head over to injitsu.com slash richardlistens to get your first class for free. That's I-N-J-I-T-S-U dot com slash Richard Listens. Protecting your child's teeth is important in any sport. That's why Impact Dental Designs has put so much thought into their state-of-the-art mouth guards, protecting athletes in youth sports all the way up to advanced MMA fighters and champions. And the best part is you can customize your own design for your own creative and fun mouth guard. So head over to impactdentaldesigns.com slash Richard Listens and if you purchase now, you get a free customized design and 20% off your order. Yeah, and in the end, right. it's what, what we believe about our time and create with it. I mean, uh, that mm -hmm. really matters. And wanting to please everybody, like getting over that hump early on, I wonder how that's mm -hmm. kind of liberated you, right? Not an expert in jazz, and certainly you didn't, you haven't taken the safest route with music either, right? I mean, you've chosen experimental jazz. I mean, it's never stopped, right? What you're pushing the envelope, so. I will, I will say with jazz, there's not really a safe route. I mean, it's such an unpopular enterprise. You, There's no parallel, you know, to like, I'm going to be, you know, a doctor in jazz, you know, like there's no safe way to do it where it's like, well, I, I, I'm going to take this path. Uh, I mean, it, that's on that front. It's like, it feels like a calling and it's like, it does, I mean, I don't know what I, what else I'd do if I didn't do that. And I also by my way to music and trying to do a lot of this. it. That is a, I feel really lucky to have a relationship thing as an adult that's so engaging that I'm so interested in and put a lot of time into um, that in terms of like tangible results has very little to offer. You know, it's also like it would be hard to make an argument for why a person should do that. It really just feels like a calling. Uh, but but just for my own understanding and for our listening uh, listeners, I mean, you did invest like there was mm -hmm. there were music lessons early on. There was a meant to practice. Um, yeah. You were very dedicated. And I remember that you would take yeah, yeah. your lessons were like an hour away, if I recall, at one point for getting uh, into yeah. this course. So, mm -hmm. you know, you were investing and committing. It wasn't 
like just it's not all just dumb luck totally oh no, no for sure <laughs> i mean i i've worked very very hard at i mean i i think amongst the chaos of my world when i was a teenager and then on after that music was like the one thing that i had chosen to do completely on my own that wasn't defined by anybody feeling like i needed to do it or i had a responsibility to do it i was pretty secretive about it at first when i started playing i, I started playing guitar as a kid because it, it felt really precious to me it, it i my world felt so defined by other people's expectations what was being put upon me and music was kind of this island that i could i could live in and feel pretty uh comfortable and free and then that just sort of grew into the whole landscape but yeah i mean i I practiced a lot. That that was the other thing that was that was a really good fit for me about music was like with basketball, I had learned all these skills about practicing and commitment and and breaking. It's like if you're like, I want to be a good basketball player, part of the skill set of doing that is being able to break it into smaller parts and then work on those smaller parts, assemble them into a game. Um, you can't really be good at just one thing in basketball and expect for it to be uh, successful. And then even to put together all these different parts, then to integrate them into actually playing a game, which is improvisational, that also takes a kind of mindset and a certain kind of clarity and work. Um, and it's exactly the same model with music. It's like you're, you can practice these different components of things that you have to put together to be able to play. And then you have to be able to actually do it in a setting where you're with jazz specifically, where you're improvising and you're making stuff up using whatever tools you've been able to develop. Um, and having a background in basketball was super helpful for assembling like a vocabulary and a relationship with with jazz once i was yeah and and now you look at your accomplishments i mean you're not only you know playing music you're you're organizing trios right you're bringing your are you producing the music i mean you're collaborating on the rolling out of the social media i mean there's so many hats you seem to be wearing and i i wonder if that kind of gives you pause that you've become like the social musician for someone who is like a very quiet internal basketball player. <laughs> right, right, right. Totally. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't know. I by like the career end of my musical world is just kind of come together step by step. You know, I, I, I tend to be someone that's like if I identify some task has to has to filled and it's clearly me that's gonna be the one to do it, then I'll do it. You know, I I, I never like had a moment of like stepping back and thinking like what's my plan of attack here, how am I do that and then do it. it's it's just more like come up that seem obviously needing to be done and then and then I, I do them. I I, tr I prefer to just kind of focus on the musical end of things. But yeah, I, I, a lot comes along with that, that sort of have done. And I'm, I'm more than happy to do that. For, for quite a while, I, I booked my own tours. I've traveled a, a lot throughout the world and played. Um, these days with some of the bands that I play in, the, we have a booking agent that makes that end of things a lot easier. When, when you're the kind of musician that I am, it, it's like uh, there's a lot of aspects of it that are very blue collar that are very like grindstony. You just kind of have to hammer stuff out and figure out how to get certain things done to work. And you could sort of make the argument that a, a lot of the work that you do is you're working to enable the work, that it's very processed. Um, and depending on your relationship with that kind of stuff, like I know a lot of people that think it's really thankless, it's frustrating and annoying. And then other people that are super happy about what comes up and you know what they're able to do within whatever. I really like playing. You know, I I I like learning things on my instrument. I play the bass clarinet, by the way. I I I like having the option to fold things from my life to this specific and to watch that pursuit develop. 
um, it's, I find it really gratifying. And for the listeners that are, you know, novice to the different instruments, um, they're, they're not, there's only a handful of musicians that really play the bass clarinet exclusively. Yeah, the, the bass clarinet is a funny instrument. It's like, a, it's kind of like a cousin to the saxophone. To, to look at it, it looks very similar to a saxophone. But if you're a musician, and especially if you're a saxophone player, there's things that are built into the bass that are, uh, present certain challenges that it's an instrument that really needs figured out to, to work with, like, out in the world. And it's it's a good fit for me sort of because of that, trying to hammer out and, and and figure out different different little challenges that are presented and make it work. It sounds like you keep it fun. You keep it interesting. You're always learning. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But yeah, now that you're living this, it's professionalized, right, where you're playing mm-hmm. on the Chicago scene and you're traveling or at least prior to uh, current yeah. quarantine, right, traveling across the world. How do you exude some of the things that athletes do, like time management, any kind of transitions and self-care? How do you keep it all balanced? Yeah, totally. I, I That's definitely a thing. Um, for me, I uh, this also I, I think is really similar to a lot of athletes. It's like I thrive within like self-instruction. And the way that I feel the most free and loose is to cultivate structure within like really just like my day. Uh, with touring, I just, I'll tend to be able to find like a half hour here, an hour there where I can my horn out and warm up and practice. Um, I have a certain breathing habits, routines that I do in the morning that really help just kind of help like regardless of the environment that I'm in, what's going on, it makes my days feel like they're my days. It's like I'm creating structure is, a, is really helpful. What's been the most surprising thing for you about like traveling the world and seeing different types of jazz or types of people that are interested in jazz? Most surprising thing? I mean, I don't know. that. Or is playing just playing? It's hard for me to say. I mean, I uh, I am a man that enjoys helping. I, I tend to... Uh, <laughs> I, I I tend to like if I have some time I'm not I'm not the guy that's like going out and checking out this museum or restaurant square or and I I, I can understand thinking that it, I'm I'm wasting time whatever but I uh I, maybe that's the most surprising thing is is like if I'm in Helsinki or if I'm in Bloomington Indiana if I have an hour in it, that I can be in a hotel I'm that's that that's kind of my vibe well it makes sense you can control the space a little bit i mean when you spend so much time having to be on the road and around so many people trying Mm -hmm. to create a little bit of space for one's own internal process sounds like it becomes really sacred for sure yeah i mean that that's something that i've I've learned about myself is i i uh i I do do a lot better when i have it really on a daily and that, that that comes up too sometimes where it's like i'm not a person who can like hang out really late and then go home and go right to like i'll go home and be awake for hours a lot of just it's like I for my I don't know like my endocrine system to to work in an effective way it's like I I I need a certain amount of time just like even myself and quiet and like process I'm a processor yeah is the process like directed towards music or is it like diffuse like you focus on other things and that helps the creative process I I think it's different things at different times sometimes I might not even it's not even necessarily like a conscious thing of like okay I'm gonna I'm gonna think about this or I'm gonna work on processing that or whatever it's just like giving my mind space to not have to talk to somebody not have to be conscious of how I'm going about anything and, and then it's like I can like wander you know like wandering is really important and that's something else that I found like when I'm home a lot of times at midnight or one in the morning everybody goes to sleep and I go out and, and walk and I'm literally wandering I'm not going to go anywhere uh but that process that feeling of like um just kind of having an open space really helps me and when I'm traveling my version of wandering is being like I just kind of do that my my friend Michael Zarang one time a long time ago said he, he said to me he was like you know a lot of people don't understand that 
a lot of artists just need to be able to sit and stare at the wall. And that seems so entitled and, and just like, are you kidding me? Like, how can you say that that's something that's important to you? Um, but, but he was like, and he, he's considerably older, especially at the time. He, he seemed like a lot old. Um, but I really identify with that. I, I think there's a lot to be said for that. It, it's like, it is important sometimes not have any. Yeah. I mean, one of the, the gifts, uh, I may have shared with you, uh, you know, that, that, Early on in this quarantine, you know, I'm not sure if it was the coronavirus, but I definitely had uh, fevers. And uh, along with that came like total loss of coordination. And I wound up with like a sprained ankle and like a bruised elbow that I couldn't move. Yeah. And so like all of a sudden I could barely move. And so the gift, though, was that like I could just make it outside my bedroom door and sit in my backyard, mm-hmm. which I, mm-hmm. you know, spent quite a bit of time, like a fountain for my father. I put a hummingbird mm-hmm. feeder. I had planted mm-hmm. seeds for a certain uh, flower that draws butterflies. So the gift of sitting really still, nice. you know, was like, it was profound because when you're still and you cannot, uh, and if you could get to a place of acceptance around it, rather than, you know, really fighting it, there is so much learning and presence that comes to you. And one of the things I could do was was record and talk to people. So it became this amazing opportunity of like, you know, wow, well, this is where I've been wanting to be. First of all, it's like gratitude yeah. for where you are. And, and second, like, like when you have appreciation for everything that's around you and how fill, full life is uh, and all the little intricate movements from the swaying of the trees to... Um, you know, the, the wind gusting. So it's, it's, it's really something that fills you up. And the way you go about your, your creativity when you feel full mm-hmm. is very different uh, than when it's like this need to, this need to do For sure. an outcome. For sure. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. I mean, I wanted to ask you, I didn't want to, you know, escape the, uh, you know, the topics of the day. I mean, for you. So when we're talking about this freedom, this ability to wander and space being so creativity, uh, how are you doing? I mean, you've been quarantined, uh, you know, I'm sure it's amazing to be home, be a dad. Um, and we've had, I see the, the Black Lives Matter poster, you know, we, we've been surrounded. You're in Chicago, certainly plenty of activity there. So How's it been for you in terms of filling space and feeling connected to, and yet there's so much going on around? Totally. I mean, I would say it's like, it's almost like, I would say say two things. One, it's like, eh, whatever. It's not that bad. And two, it's like, man, it sucks. (laughs) And I, 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 I I think both those things, I don't know. It's like, I, uh, I mean. You guys had to cancel a tour. Oh yeah. I mean, I've I've had all like a boatload of stuff and that, that it's, that was kind of initially, it was like, it's been a process. I mean, in March, there was kind of a moment when after reading a few articles, I realized what was coming, what seemed like happened maybe like a week or so before uh, the, the reality of the situation more like kind of descended on the whole country, travel bans, all, all that kind of stuff, and, and people really having to shelter in place. Um, and yeah, tours got canceled. Uh, at that point, it was like tours in March, April, May got canceled, then Pretty much for the rest of the year, it's like everything's canceled. Point. Um, I think the next official tour that I have is in January of next year. Um, and I mean, I've I've just tried to adapt, you know, to just kind of go with what it is. I mean, I'm lucky that I still practice at home. Feel pretty satisfied doing that. I mean, I I, I practice all the time anyway. It's something I like to do. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's it's certainly a huge uh, inconvenience. But then it's like I. I don't know. I try and keep in perspective, you know, like how, like how comfortable I am with being inconvenienced. All right. You know, I, I mean, 
I, I do certainly like being home. I, 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 I have a six-year-old little daughter and it's amazing time with her. I, I, I spend a lot of time with her anyway. One of the nice things about being a touring musician and not having another job is when I'm home, I'm really home. Um, and even though I tour a lot, it's like I, I'm still home more than tour. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's it's a it's it's a crazy crazy minute. You know, I, I've I've spent really a lot of time just trying to wrap my head around how uh, mind numbing and you know confusing the whole situation is. I mean, it's it's not something that really ever happens. I read a really interesting article like early on in March that was about the idea of a uh, being a base rater or a growther. Are, are you familiar with those no. uh, kind of classification? It's really interesting to me. It was like, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm probably not going to adjust what what that stuff means, but base rater, like B A S E dash rater, R A T E R, um, versus a growther. And the the idea was like a base rater is what most of us are. Most the idea that like you're sort of using your empirical experience of the world to determine what's likely to happen or not. In terms of a virus, like it's like at the end of February when maybe you were seeing a little bit, ah, this is going on in China, blah blah, blah a little maybe this is a little bit going on in Italy. But your sense is like, come on, like there's never a global pandemic to make it so I can't go to work even for two days, let alone longer. My kids, of course, they're going to be able to school. You know, like it, you're what never happens, never happens because it never happens. That's like being right. a, 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 a base raider, you know, and it comes up all the time. It's like the sky is never falling ever. You know, you understand that sometimes bad things happen, but they don't happen really because that's just how the world normally works on a day to day. Uh, and I, I, I also think that part of the way that we deal, whether it's conscious or on risk, is by being this thing called the base raider. It's like you, you have to be able to deal with the idea that like your car and you drive to the deli, you're not going to get mowed down by another car, you know, because yeah, yeah. you're not. You have a healthy denial of risk. Yeah, yeah, totally. And a growther is someone who lives in data who more processes reality by understanding data and so like in this situation if in february you were just looking at data you were looking at what china was going italy what is slowly trickling to the united states there were a lot of people who were data science who 100 percent knew what situation would be like later and that it was going to be more of like a sky falling type situation that's highly unusual um and it seems like for the most part growthers are usually the people that were like ah, all right you're talking all this crazy that's not what's going to happen. Uh, and, and this time it was like the perspective really spot on. And that it's, that's so unusual. And then to like, what it also does, at least for me is, is it makes me think like, well, damn, like what are the others where it's going to go down like this? You know, like it, it, it kind of makes it like, um, it opens the door to what feels like more of a possible expected to actually. Yeah. And, and the, and the beauty behind that is that the super unexpected can also be really powerful and profound. And it's kind of like, sure. well, what happens when everybody, right? People started to post like nature started to look like in LA, the air, the air quality was yeah, the yeah. best in LA, totally. the, the, the capacity. And it's really hard. Like when you're trying to see someone to communicate and you're like, Oh, I can't see the mouth behind the mask, how you mm -hmm. have to really communicate with your eyes. Like so much yeah, yeah. has to go into the intentionality and now the power of technology where I think you and I have had more conversations in the last three months than probably since we were probably mm -hmm. 16, 17 years old, you know, or close totally, to it. Totally, so, totally. Yeah, um, yeah. you know, so it, it, I, you know, I hope that there's more of that going along mm -hmm. and not just pure entropy, uh, mm -hmm. like, you know, Armageddon and zombie apocalypses in our future. Yeah, 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 totally. Yeah, I mean, the, uh, how, how the next, like, six play out of great curiosity, I really feel like the range of, of what might happen is pretty wide. I how do you it. stay? How do you stay in possibility and curiosity and open space when there is so much uncertainty? For me, I have to feel like my, like 
my family. That's like number one. I that's like my foundation. Um, for me, like I, I've tried to have an understanding what, regardless of like a lot of what feels like noise, just looking at information, what feels like a safe approach in terms of myself and my family. And that's, that's my first priority. And then if that feels like it's in a stable, cool situation, then I, 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 I mean, I read a lot, you know, I, I, I try and, and check out like what a lot of um, epidemiologists, virologists are about what the situation is. And, and, and I, I also think that being comfortable with the unknown is really important too. It's like probably more than anything, this whole situation is defined by things that are, unknown. and if, if you can be cool with that, it, it seems really helpful. Then you can kind of decide whatever your relationship with risk within something. But it, it seems like a lot of problems. If you're uncomfortable with not knowing, and then you feel compelled to assert knowing something that's impossible to know, and then you disagree with somebody else that is also asserting that they know something else that's impossible to know. There's a lot of room for interpersonal conflict here. Yeah, based. Yeah, yeah, totally. I, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm not in that. <laughs> I'm, I'm much more interested. There's a lot of things I don't know. And this is one, of, you know. So just, you know, in closing before you uh, sign off and tell us how to reach you and get your albums, uh, mm -hmm. being a father, being around the protests, any education for your daughter, even if not now going forward, how you, uh, you know, continue to make her aware of uh, diversity and sensitivity, uh, especially mm -hmm. being a musician who studied many of the greats, uh, mm -hmm. jazz musicians who have been from black culture. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, see. We have a Black Lives Matter poster hanging out. I'm, I'm sitting on our front porch. Um, I, I felt very happy yesterday when uh, we celebrated Father's Day. And towards the end of the day, my wife's my daughter, Ida, she said, like, you know, it's Father's Day. It's a special day for daddy. And Ida's response was, well, yeah, but it's not nearly as special as Juneteenth, right? Wow. It's like, yeah, that's right. <laughs> exactly. That's true. Friday um, night, my daughter was playing. We were watching a documentary at her direction. Oh, yeah. And my homework is pick up a book called uh, Survival Math. So if you have any suggested uh, readings or um, educational materials, please throw them to our little well. That's incredible. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, that that my I guess as a father, my interest is trying to cultivate a balance. And it's it's kind of kind of a, a it's tricky is like the idea that we're all humans. We're all part of nature, period. But then at the same time, trying to help her create an intellectual understanding that because of history, that has not been the case in terms of how people have been treated. And so it's our job to try and do whatever we can do to balance that. It, it seems naive to just come from the standpoint of like, we're all beautiful, we're all humans, period. That's not the full story. It's like, yes, of course, that's true. I can believe that. But so many people in history have not thought that and their lack of thinking that has created actual events and such in depression that it seems like being aware of that even as a child is very, very. And, when, and like when I think back to being a child and think back to how um, I was taught about race. There's so many issues that I have that I feel wrong how trade and I'm 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 trying to do my best to be or about that. And it's hard. It's impossible to do it perfect. I'm just trying to make it's, it's beautiful. Yeah, that that's all we can do. And uh my my daughter's a little older than yours, but certainly with social media they're getting information before I even get it. So <laughs> before I even know what's happening, I have a protest in my house. So my whole job is about how to like direct socially distant and safe protests i guess mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah yeah totally yeah no, well I jason i think we could do you know one of these every month and we'd never get bored of what to talk about <laughs> i agree really fun to talk
Thanks for having me. I, yeah, thank you. And I know we're just scratching the cervix on your music career. Uh, if you don't mind, uh, we're going to put all your contact in the show notes. But please share with you how to get a hold of you and how to get your records, should they be interested while they're at home, expanding their jazz. Yeah, absolutely. My, my website is jasonsteinmusic.com, full name, music.com. All, all my records are on there. Um, just look me up on YouTube. There's a bunch of videos. If you like, easily search my name or the band name. Uh, if you just search my name, you'll you'll see my records. I have a lot of them. They're all beautiful. It's it's a real you know pleasure to see you. Uh, as sad as I was to see you leave basketball, uh, to see the full journey and scope of life after sports and how your passion one element of life can parlayed into uh skills and commitment that help you thrive um the long haul so uh, i think that i hope jason is an inspiration to all of you following your gut and your passion despite what anybody says let it be your principal or your parent at times following your own creative instincts to produce what you're meant to be like jason says to follow your calling i agree thanks a lot yeah thank you everyone well that was a real honor having jason stein a musician and a former basketball player and friend from my childhood on the show i hope you will check out his jason his music jason stein music uh and pick up an album and again, I'm Richard Listens. Reach me on Instagram at Richard Listens or support the show, patreon.com slash Richard Listens. Thank you again. I love all the high performers coming from various realms of sport, entertainment, and life. Look forward to bringing you more. Richard Listens, I'm out. I'm a big fan of MMA sports. It's rough and elegant at the same time. I think my number one fear of stepping into a ring like that would be protecting my teeth. Luckily, the guys over at Impact Dental Designs have created an amazing mouth guard that is state of the art. These mouth guards are currently being used by some of the best MMA fighters, but even better, they can be tailored to any sport. Football, hockey, boxing, soccer, the list is endless. Head over to impactdentaldesigns.com slash richardlistens to get 20% off your order and a free customized design for your mouth guard. Lastly, I'd like to proudly mention our sponsor, Injitsu.com, providing remote at-home training from some of the world's top MMA fighters. These classes are not pre-recorded. These trainers come to you live and coach you for the duration of the session. I've personally taken a few of these classes and I've never felt so inspired and accomplished in a workout session. They'll leave you both on the floor in exhaustion and with a drenched shirt. There are still slots available for online classes, so head over to injitsu.com slash richardlistens to get your first class free. That's I-N-J-I-T-S-U dot com slash richardlistens. Take care, everyone.